If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Philippians chapter 4. And this morning, we will conclude our discussion on the book of Philippians. I pray that this has been a helpful and encouragement, encouraging season for us as a church as we've walked through the book of Philippians. I pray that you've learned something, but also pray more than that, that you've applied this book to your life and that you look different in Jesus than you did before it. That's always the goal of every sermon, of every song, of every opportunity that we have to come together is not to learn more information, but that it would lead to implementation in our lives, that we would live out the things that we talk about, that we would not just talk about it and deceive ourselves, that we would do what it says. And so as we come to this passage, Paul has left a doozy for the end here, and that's on Christ and contentment. Now, this is an incredibly difficult passage of Scripture for us to look at, but also to apply in our lives. I think it's fitting that it would come on a day like today, where on Thursday we celebrated in full the day of Thanksgiving that we came together as families and as homes, and we we thanked the Lord for all of his many blessings. I hope that you had some time around a, a plate of turkey just to stop for a minute with your family and just to count your blessings. I hope that you named them one by one, right? I hope that you stopped and you thanked the Lord for the multitude of blessings that he has given to you and your family, because they are numerous, innumerable blessings. But something happens the day after Thanksgiving called Black Friday. And tomorrow we'll experience another wave of it in Cyber Monday. That the day after we're supposed to give the most thanks, we spend several days realizing that all of our stuff is not as glimmery and bright as we thought it was. Our TV is not quite high def enough. Our TV is not curved and big enough. Our car maybe not new enough. It maybe has too many miles on it. Maybe our house is a little bit too small and our furnishings are a little bit too old. And all of a sudden, we're flooded with advertisements saying, your stuff is not quite good enough. And so we come to our time this morning on contentment. You can see how this may be a little interesting this morning. That maybe you felt a sea of discontentment flood your soul as you've watched TV and you've been flooded with disconcerting things on TV saying, you know what, I, I think I do deserve that. I think I do need that. Oh, man, my neighbor's got a bigger car than I do. I think it's maybe time for me to upgrade. Maybe it's time for me to get that new thing, that new trinket. And you're realizing that all your glittering trinkets and toys maybe are fading and old and a little bit rusty and it's left you a little bit discontent. Maybe you're discontent in this season of life the stage of life that you're in, the season the Lord has you in. Let's go to Scripture and see what God would have in store for us this morning. So Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10, and we're going to make our way through the end of the book, verse 23. Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You had indeed concern, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even at Thessalonica, you've sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us. We recognize that this is a difficult task that we have, to be content in all and every situation that we come to. So help us, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds to receive the message that we have so that we leave this place different than when we came in. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You remember that Paul is awaiting trial there in Rome, and he's under house arrest, and he's not knowing what's going to be coming around the corner, and he's been in a season of not having much. And the Philippian church has entered into a partnership with Paul, and so they've sent gifts to Paul, but it's been taking a while for those gifts to get there. And so you'll see in 14 through 19 or 18 that he's thanking them that he has received the gifts, and he is in well supply. But before the gifts came, he speaks of being content no matter the circumstance. So let's look at the first point on your outline is this. Contentment is learned. Contentment is learned. You see in verse 11 and verse 12, Paul says a very interesting thing. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He follows it in verse 12. I know uh, how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and in need. First thing that we'll see this morning is that contentment is a learned process that we walk through. In the same way that we've talked about this pathway of peace that we walk down to find peace and uh, praying in every circumstances and rejoicing in everything and being reasonable to everyone, contentment is a learned process that we as believers walk through. It's not something that we wake up one day and slap the easy button of life and all of a sudden all of life's circumstances walk away and we are just content and happy hunky-dory, Right? No, we we face seasons of discontentment. Maybe you're walking right now, presently, in a season of great discontentment over where the Lord has you and what you see happening all around you. So what do we do with this? How do we reconcile these things? How do we learn in this process? Well, as a sixth grader, I took up playing the drums. I don't know how many of you play a musical instrument, but I would assume many of you, if you play an instrument, you would have a similar story to this one. That in sixth grade, I got my first old hand-me-down of a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down drum set. And I set it up upstairs in this little room, and I would shut the door, and I would sit with two drumsticks, and I would have a hi-hat and a snare drum. And for hours, doon-doon-ch, 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 for hours upon hours upon hours. Parents, I don't know if any of you, uh, if you got the little recorder that the kids play at home where you're learning a song and for hours you hear that thing and you're just like, can somebody please make it stop? And I would assume that my parents and my neighbors were sick of hearing hour after hour, doon, doon, ch, doon, doon, ch. But that lessons in time turned into being in seventh grade and eighth grade, adding a kick drum where I could say, doon, doon, ch, ch, doon, ch. And for hours, that was what I had. Now, I've exhausted my beatboxing ability, so I'll stop at this point. But in ninth and 10th and 11th grade, I began to be able to play the toms and fill out the, the songs with more uh, beats and different things. I could play with different styles. And friends, this is what learning looks like. That at the beginning, we're a little bit awkward and weird and we don't have it all together. But as we learn and grow in the grace of the Lord, we begin to do things that at the beginning we didn't think were possible. We begin to be content in situations that years ago we may have thought, there's no way I could be content in this situation. There's going to be seasons where we fail and fall short, times in which, as I'm playing the drums, I begin to mess up and and face things that I haven't faced before, and I mess up, and I don't do it perfectly, and I learn through the process. And so I think it's important as we face contentment and discontentment in our lives, recognize that the Lord is working in your lives. He's bringing you through a season of sanctification in different areas in which maybe contentment and discontentment is part of that. 
And I believe that as we face discontentment, we can learn a lot about our hearts and our souls in the midst of what we're discontent about. I don't know if you faced any discontentment over this past year or maybe this past week or even today. Maybe you felt discontent about an area of your life. I believe as you have an maybe an autopsy of that experience, an autopsy of that moment to stop and examine it and say, Lord, what is causing this discontentment to stir in my soul? You find out such depth of your heart. As you begin to covet your neighbor's stuff and you look at their house and say, I wish I had that house. If I just had that house, everything would be together. You begin to recognize things in yourself to say, Lord, maybe I'm not as content in you. Maybe I'm not trusting in your plan for my life as much. Maybe I want what other people have. And that shows that I'm not thankful or trusting in what you have blessed me with. And so discontentment in my life has revealed much about the state of my soul. And so wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever you're walking through, what is your discontentment showing in your own heart, in your own soul? What are you recognizing as you're learning and walking through the process? What have you learned these past two weeks as you're walking through seasons where you're not rejoicing in different things? What are you seeing as you're not reasonable to people around you? What is it revealing in us? So don't waste these moments of temptation and even sin in which we don't learn and grow in the Lord through them. Let me give you a few little helpful admonitions in this as you talk about contentment and discontentment. It's first to follow Jesus in your present circumstance. Follow Jesus in your present circumstance. So often in discontentment, we can feel like if we can just get here, then we'll finally have the things that we need to finally start doing the things that we feel like we need to do. If I can just get here. For many of us, it may be if I can just get out of 2020, if we can just get in 2021 and through the virus, I'll finally start being who I want to be and living the way that I want to live. I'll finally arrive. Sometimes it looks like if I can just get in that house, everything will finally be okay and I'll finally have peace that I've been looking for. If I just can get that job promotion, if I can finally get up and get enough money, if I can just get that job promotion, I will finally have made it and I'll be okay. Friends, if we don't follow Jesus in our present circumstance, we can look forward into the years ahead and say, 15 years from now, I'm going to be following and trusting the Lord and doing what he's called me to do. But if we don't do it today, then we're not going to be obedient in the future. If you don't live and follow the Lord today where the Lord has you, faithful with what he has blessed you with in this day, in this hour, friends, we will not be faithful into the future. When we send missionaries on the field Friends, if they're not missionaries where they are in their homeland, when they leave and go on mission, they're not just going to automatically become missionaries in a foreign context. And so I would encourage you in contentment, you can always wait for the next thing, always wait for the next season of life, always wait for the next thing that's going to make you who you think you should be. But friends, be faithful to what God has called you to today. Be faithful to where he has placed you in your homes, in your jobs, in your families, where he has placed you today. Be faithful to the Lord today. Which would lead to this next point, to guard against delayed obedience. Guard against the delayed obedience that would say, when I finally get in this house, I'll finally be hospitable to the people around me. If I get this job promotion and finally get this raise, then I'll finally be able to be generous in the way that I want to be generous. If I just get out of school, I'll finally be living the way that I want to live and I'll finally be doing the things that I want to do with my life. Friends, guard against delayed obedience, which you know from being in this church is disobedience. Guard your heart against saying, when I just get to this point in my life, I will finally live for Jesus. 
Guard against a delayed obedience that would keep you on the sidelines of your faith, always waiting for the next moment, the next thing, the next age, the next year, the next circumstance or season that would keep you discontent with where you are today and always longing for the next thing in which you will finally do the things that you're called to do. So guard against delayed obedience. And lastly, just simply trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Friends, read, dive in, and dissect God's word. Live it, trust it, obey it with your lives. Contentment is a learned process. It's not something we hit the easy button of life and all of a sudden our discontentment fades away and we're all of a sudden content in whatever season we're in. But friends, go to this next point because it's incredibly important as Paul continues about whatever I've learned and whatever circumstance to be content Hear him say to be content in all situations. Find contentment in all situations. Look at this phrase again. It's like he's saying the same thing that he said in Philippians 4, 6. Not that I'm speaking of need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and a need. Friends, I have searched the scripture for a caveat to these scriptures. I'm trying to find some caveat that would say, you know, in this situation, it's okay not to be content. I've searched high and low to try to find something to give you a little bit of hope to say, I know this is hard, but I found a caveat. I found a get out of jail free card, right? You don't have to be content in that one. But do you know, I could not find one in all of scripture in which God says, do not be content in that situation. Do not have peace in the midst of this situation. Do not rejoice in the midst of this situation. And I feel that this is hard and this is difficult and this is at times painful because I know that we've all walked in here with a a lot of stuff on our shoulders. We can find contentment in all situations. Look at what Paul just said and write these quickly because we don't have much time left. You see Paul trying to well up inside of us a a circumstance in which we recognize and realize that in every season, every circumstance that we walk through, we turn to the Lord Jesus to find our strength for everything. So we find contentment in all situations. Look and remember what Paul talked about just previously, that we rejoice always, that we're reasonable to everyone, that we're anxious in nothing, that we pray about everything. To find contentment in all situations. It's like Paul is trying to get our attention, saying you can have this, you can experience this, in whatever comes your way, in whatever circumstances you face, you can find peace, you can find hope, you can find contentment, even the most difficult of circumstances. And friends, I recognize that you may be sitting there and you say, well, I get it. I recognize it here, but this is so difficult. You don't know the season that I'm in, how difficult and painful what I'm walking through is. Maybe you're walking through loss in your life, job loss, home, whatever it may be. Maybe you're walking through different seasons of sickness and hurt and pain and sorrow. Maybe you're just feeling like, Mark, this is not possible to be content in these situations. It just cannot happen. I've been searching for peace and I can't find it. I've been trying to build it and I just can't see it or find it. I don't know what to do in this. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're reading these passages and just saying, I guess everybody around me is discontent, and I guess my lot in life is to just be discontent. I guess everybody in my Bible fellowship class is at peace, and I'm just the only one who's not. Maybe you can feel the weight of 11 and 12, and you just say, I guess I'm never going to be Paul. That what I'm facing is too heavy, that I'll never make it. Your friends, the first 11 and 12 are overwhelming your soul right now. 
if you are pained and hurt, if you just feel sorrow in your soul after reading these verses and just saying, I just don't know if it's possible. I want you to read verse 13. Because verse 13 is the crux of this passage. It is the hope that we have. And it is often the verse that we most neuter and just take away all the worth that this verse is giving to us as people who need it so desperately. Paul writes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So in this, when we feel like, yeah, there's no way I can find contentment. There's no way I can find peace and joy in the midst of what I walk through. Read verse 13. Here it is given to us so clearly that you're right. We cannot face these seasons and circumstances on our own, that we need the Lord's strength to lead and guide us and strengthen our hearts in the midst of things that we cannot face on our own. And so we do great disservice to this verse when we just believe that this verse means that it makes us be able to dunk a basketball or win a ball game or lift some weights over our head. We neuter the power that this verse is, has in it when we believe that it just is reclined to just an athletic field. We don't realize it is for you and me in whatever circumstance we face. We can turn to the Lord and find his strength that surpasses all understanding. We can find all things and do all things and experience all things and walk through all manner of life because it is him who strengthens us. Thanks be to God that whatever season that we face, whatever circumstance we walk through, friends, there are things that are so overwhelming and so difficult. I know it's hard. I know these journeys are difficult. I know what we face is grieving our souls and hard for us, but recognize here this next point. Know that God provides the strength to carry through and to carry on. Rest in this verse. Believe in this verse. That is him. That is Jesus. We can do all things. All things. And after coming off, rejoice through everything. Pray about anything. Be reasonable to all people. Be content in all circumstances. After coming off all those things, isn't it good to come to verse 13 and read, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. (laughs) This is what we need. The very thing that we need comes after feeling these difficult verses 4 through 10 and 11 to get to verse 13 to see I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We should feel the hope and the quickening of our backs and the strengthenings of our knees to say we can do this through him who strengthens me. And I can tell you, I've spent seasons of my life building and manufacturing all these things around me, all this peace that I can possibly find. I try to build these things in my life to protect me from the hardships of life. I try to do things on my own strength and my own might. And it just doesn't work. So friends, I want you to just believe and feel the strength of verse 13. That you can. Friends, you can do all things. You can face that difficulty. You can face that battle with cancer. You can face that job loss. You can face the difficulty in your family circles. You can face 2020. You can face the coronavirus. You can face these difficulty things of isolation and struggles. You can do it all through him who strengthens you, not in your own power and your own might. You can do it through him who gives you the strength to carry through and carry on. And so believe it, live it, know it deeply into your soul. And know that it's a learned process that we walk through. Like a kid testing the waters, putting his toe in and seeing if he can get in. As you walk with the Lord, as you trust in the Lord, as you go with the Lord, you will feel his strength guiding, leading, protecting, guarding you through whatever life throws at you. 
Friends, we know. We know that life throws a lot at us. There's a lot of weight in this room. A lot of weight of difficulties and circumstance. Friends, if you read anything else, know that it is he who can do all things through you. He who can strengthen you. But more than that, if you continue on, you see verse 19 is also this hallmark of the Christian faith. Verse 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul has just mentioned to the Philippian church thanking them for their sacrificial gifts to Paul, that they've sacrificed their money and resources to give to Paul, to sacrifice to him, to be able to do the things that he's doing in ministry. And so Paul says to them, my God will supply all of your needs. When it doesn't look like you know how things are going to work out, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. So know that God provides the strength, but he also supplies the need. Man alive. As we've walked this pathway this past month, as we looked at rejoicing and strength and peace and reasonableness, many of you have shared with me your struggles and your overwhelming feelings of these verses. You're struggling through them and with them. Amen. First chapter 4, verse 13 and 19 are just these glorious truths that I pray that we cling to and hold on to. They were reminded of Psalm 23 on your outline. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not be in want. That as you walk through these things, we find a God who's not saying, well, you've got to drink from your own well. You've got to figure it out on your own. But a God who is willing to give to us peace and strength and comfort and hope. He is willing, open-handed, willing and wanting to give it to us. If we run to him and cast all our anxieties and burdens on him, he's willing to supply our needs and our strength. Friends, you go back up a little bit and you see Ephesians 3.16 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being and then roll one up another little bit higher in 2 Corinthians 9.8 and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you see a God who's wanting to provide all strength, all sufficiency, all goodness, all that we need. A God who's willing and able and desiring to give to his people all that they need. So friends, I can tell you, as you walk through these difficulties, what you find is a God who walks with you, who comforts you, who provides for you, who gives you the strength that in other terms we could not carry on our own. As we conclude the book of Philippians, I want us to see this incredible highlight that Paul ends this book the same way that he started. Philippians 1-2, we're reminded as we began this journey several, several weeks ago, Paul said, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we come to the conclusion of this book, we've seen an apostle, a servant of Christ Jesus, come and write these words in Philippians 4-23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. This is Paul's desire for each one of us, that God's grace and his peace would be poured out on you, that you would feel his love, his grace, his comfort that you would feel his peace that surpasses all understanding, that he would lead you and guide you through no matter what would come your way. The book of Philippians is a wellspring. It's like the balm on chapped lips. It helps our souls through what we face. So friends, turn to it. Turn to his word and find a peace that surpasses all understanding and find a God who supplies every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, help us. Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that we need you. 
knowing that we need your guidance, we need your hope, we need your peace, we need Lord, what you can provide and what we often try to manufacture in our own power and might, but Lord, only you can supply these needs. Lord, I know. Either those watching at home right now or those sitting in the sanctuary this morning have walked into this place with heavy, heavy needs in which at times we can feel so discontent in the stage that we're in. We can feel discontent with the, the needs that we perceive in our soul. Lord, we want to trust in you. We want to trust and be faithful today. Lord, we want to trust and obey because we recognize there's no other way to be happy in you other than just trusting and obeying. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.